Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, welcome. Oh. <clears throat> oh, his voice is not good still. Wow. Yeah, you sound like me. Kermit Defrog. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Talk of the Tune, a Newcastle United podcast. My name is Will, and this week I'm joined by my good pals, Hodgy and Grey. How are you doing, lads? I'm good, you? It sounded like you were joined by your good pal, Hodgy, and me, so uh, <laughs> what have I done to upset you? Did I say good pal? No, just oh. the way you said it. <laughs> oh, plus, right, right, plus right. one. Welcome I was yeah. say. I mean, it's a while since we've been able to say Hodgy and Grey, because... Hodgie has just gone missing for a few weeks, it seems. What the hell have you been doing? We've had to get Ali Fraser involved. Last week was stag do. The week before, I can't remember what I was doing. I can't even remember what I had for my dinner in the last couple of days, man, so fuck knows what I've done. Wait, well, I don't know if stag do, because that seems to be what you're doing every weekend at the minute. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I've got another one this weekend, and I'm flying tomorrow to Palermo for work as well, so yeah. International man of absolutely no mystery whatsoever. <laughs> to boring work. <laughs> it's stag do season at the minute, isn't it? I mean, Hodgie, you've had a few grey. You you had one this weekend just gone, and I've got one coming up in March as well. Um, how was Amsterdam, grey? Uh, it was good. Yeah, boozy. Why do you sound so always. sus? So sus. See, did you sense that, Hodge? Ah, uh, there's a story. There was a weird silence there. Uh, Have you been no on sense. the hookers again? <laughs> 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 oh, Lord. Smoking a pancake? No, I was I was well behaved. I just I just had beer and rum. Oh god, okay. Well you Hodge felt like you had a good story there. Oh no, just the the last time that me and Grey were in Amsterdam was good fun. We were there watching the Six Nations and watching Newcastle as the cultured people we are in a bar in Amsterdam. You know. In an Irish bar in Amsterdam. But we also went to the Ajax match, which was that is true match, wasn't it? Which was mid. Europa League, wasn't it? Against Dinner Prayer, that's what they yeah. called the Ukrainian team. Yeah, it's good. I love a stadium like Ajax. Oh, it's brilliant. I must have been busy that weekend. Better atmosphere than it was on Saturday, I'll tell you that. Oh, there we go. Great segue. (laughs) See, this is why I'm so glad to have him back, Gray. Um, Well, despite being an Amsterdam Gray, such as your commitment to Newcastle United Football Club, you uh, you managed to tune in and watch the game um, after you trekked halfway around Amsterdam, you were saying. And, oh gee, you did one better. You were there on the day. So, got a couple of things to talk about in this podcast. Obviously, the most recent result against Bournemouth at home. Our home record continues to be a, a bit shit, despite winning away quite frequently at the minute. We are not able to capitalise on great situations at home. We then, of course, have today's news that Dan Ashworth is now officially on gardening leave ahead of a potential move to Manchester United. 
Very weird to say that about a sporting director and not a player. Seems a bit ridiculous. We'll come on to that, but I guess it's probably right to start with the Bournemouth game. Hodge, all the exact same frustrations we've been feeling over the last five or six weeks, wasn't it? It was rinse and repeat for me. How was it being there? The atmosphere was absolutely dead. Like It was not full of its usual kind of gusto. I think there was a lot of nerves floating around. Obviously, us not having a striker or an out-and-out striker Mm. to fill the role of Mr. Wilson or Mr. Isaac. There were some good bits of the game, majority marred by a couple of mistakes and a lot of players just looking like they were not fully there. It felt like we were playing with 10 men, to be totally honest, for the whole 90 Mm. or 90 plus 10 or whatever it was at the end of it. Mm. The game plan would have worked if we had a number nine. There was a good couple of balls into the box, which... I think Wilson would have buried and Isaac would have done something quite magical with as well. And it was just having someone who was a playmaker up top to create the space for some of the players, I think was quite a a poignant thing. Mm. Obviously, Bournemouth came to play. They had created quite a lot of chances early doors and I don't know how they didn't uh, go up 2-0 after (laughs) after about 20 minutes, really. Mm. I don't know what you guys seen on the TV, but I'm sure you must have picked up something that I've missed being live there. Absolutely. On the atmosphere, I won't repeat what Gray just messaged in the WhatsApp group, but so to say, Gray's not a big fan of the balloting system at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> Hodgie's touched on a couple of points there, Gray. It'd be good to come in having obviously had the benefit of repeats on the day, but the biggest thing for me was going into that game with only one change, obviously Wilson being out, as Hodge says, which allowed us to start Harvey Barnes, which was really promising. He was absolutely blown after about 60 minutes and or whatever it was now to be taken off, but that was positive. But yeah, there's a couple of things for me. Yet again, big mistakes have let us down um, uh, and predictable mistakes, um, such as absolutely being battered on that left-hand side, but Dubravka has a lot to answer for in this Bournemouth game. But also... It seems like we were we were progressing the ball quite well at times, but as soon as we get in and around the box, we don't know what the fuck to do. Just like everyone panics and we always make the wrong decision. A number of times that happened. What were your thoughts? I think Dubravka's probably copped a lot of stick for that first goal. And I think he is unlucky because it did look like a genuine slip. But yeah, I mean... As opposed to a fake slip? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, he's, he's tried his best, hasn't he? But I mean, yeah, just get rid of you under that pressure first time. But it's so predictable what team's going to do to us now. And mm-hmm. it's just, why are we not making the change without wanting to sound like a broken record? And I think everyone in Amsterdam knows my feelings on Dan Byrne. But <laughs> yeah, it's got to be time. We have to, we have to mix it up. It's clear this defence now isn't working. And there's two home games back to back where we've scored first, then gone behind and then had to... Mm-mm. It is. We didn't score first. Did they score first? Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was uh, Solanke on 51, then we got a penalty. We got the penalty. Uh, yeah, that was straight away. I thought that was to make it 2-2. So yeah, it's clearly I had too many beers that day. But uh, <laughs> I can just imagine Gray just standing on top of the table just shouting shit at Dan Byrne on the TV <laughs> with his shirt off going, fuck it out, man! <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's time to make a change with that defence. I mean, we've all been crying out for it. I think everyone who supports Newcastle is asking what Tino has to do to get on the pitch. Whether it's even a change of formation, who knows, but I mean, something has to change for me and has to change against Arsenal. It was their tactic from the off though, like there was playing long balls over that side and obviously the long ball's yep. not going to work because Dan Burns going to win that every single day against Semenyo. But when they started getting the ball on the ground, it was just, yeah, all right, 
astute use a bit of pace on that right hand side for us and, and attack Dan Bird. We made fucking Semenyo look like fucking Kylian Mbappe, man, on the day. Honestly, it was just a cacophony of errors. Really frustrating, but don't have a lick of fucking pace in that back four or even the midfield three. As much as I, I love him, Bruno looks like he's running through mud the entire time. Miley as well. He's, he's young and he's very good at a lot of things, but running quickly is not one of them. And I don't know where the fuck Sean Longstaff disappeared off to in that game. Everyone goes on about him doing so many kilometers and running round and rah, 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 rah. Honestly, he had a good game a couple of games ago when he scored a brace, I think. But fuck, man. When he has a bad game, you really notice. And I don't know if it's even worth saying bad because I didn't actually notice him at all. Really poor on the day. But yeah, to, to your point, we just cannot defend counterattacks at all. The number of times balls have gone over the top or like against Nottingham Forest right through the fucking middle. As long as you've got a, a pacey striker or winger on the end of it, nine times out of ten they're going to score. You know, Dubravka did do really well on a couple of occasions. He's let himself down with a slip. As you say, he should be getting rid of it, but he's quite usually quite assured with the ball at his feet. It's just like, for fuck's sake, it's going to be one of those days, isn't it? And that was just as we were starting to get on top of the game. It was completely against runner play, but really predictable, as we've all said. But it was good getting back into the game. And in the absence of Wilson and Isaac, who are our kind of recognised penalty takers, it was good to have someone in as good form as Anthony Gordon step up. Although he looked as if he was about to shit his pants before he was going to take the penalty. <laughs> he slots it away really, really nicely and is really assured. So that, that was a good feeling. Great. Did you have a point on the penalty? I just wanted to say well done to VAR for being consistent at St. James's Park because Lucien got a penalty, <laughs> started outside the box, and then we finally got a penalty where the contact also started outside the box. So, uh, yeah, well done, VAR. <laughs> as much as it took them three hours to make the fucking decision, yeah. they got it right. So they were saying that it stood and it was a penalty because... Fabian Cher, the ball was not being played to him. That's what gets rid of the offside argument. He wasn't involved in the play or whatever the phrase or terminology is they use. That's why it was allowed. And then obviously brings him down in the box. So it was pretty blatant. But he also wasn't offside because they were showing the frame after Trippi had kicked the ball. Yeah, I thought that as well. There was definitely the a ball gap was about a foot away from between him. his foot <laughs> and the fucking ball. Yeah, I noticed that as well. But thankfully, we were done. As much as the referee had an absolutely fucking dreadful game, Hodge, they sounded like you lot in the stadium were absolutely baying for his blood. Uh, he could have given so many yellow cards so much earlier. I think they made 23 fouls on the night uh, and some of them are quite blatant. I think there was one where basically Gordon turns this guy inside out and he basically grabs him by the neck Oh yeah, and pulls his shirt and then obviously plays on, advantage, runs through, had a chance for then nothing came of the kind of harsh challenge that went on him. He did let some things go, which I think in our favours went went quite nicely when Bruno started nipping at people's heels and Miley started getting involved as well. But I think overall, I don't think the referee had a great game and I think he, he shite. deserves a stick that he's going to cop, like for sure. Yeah, he's absolutely fucking shite, but they all were like, his, his assistants were shite as well. But also it's like, you know, when you have at work, it's like number of days since not having a, an accident <laughs> yeah. or whatever it is. It's like <laughs> yeah. a number of days that Bruno survived on his ninth yellow card. <laughs> so hopefully he's going to do it. He's going to see it through to the end of the season. But knowing his temperament, it's not going to be the case. But I thought he really carried us in the game, Hodge. Um, again, it seemed like he played that slightly more advanced position. But 
on the day, my two or three standout performers were Bruno for really kind of pushing the team and dragging the team forward. Miley for his composure and his control, thought it was excellent. And Anthony Gordon for obviously doing Anthony Gordon things and just being kind of having that energy, you know, stepping into a role he's not particularly used to playing and taking the responsibility for the penalty. I think Bruno was very wishy-washy at some points towards the end of the game. I think Shaw had a sharp go at him at one point when he was farting on with the ball and he went in for a sulk for about three or four minutes where he just literally walked around the pitch, which I thought was really (laughs) bad. I don't really think he had the best game for us, to be totally honest. I think he, you know, he, think? Was, he was key in some bits, but I think he was... Some of the balls he was playing through were excellent. I mean, that one he put through for Murphy, where Murphy, if he just puts his head to it, gets any contact on the yeah. ball whatsoever when he chips it over, that's a goal. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of bits where he actually turned it on, but for a, a good portion of it, I thought he was obviously running very slowly. <laughs> but you can't, you can't knock him for that, but I think... He we, runs in slow motion, man. <laughs> the way that he was just holding himself at some points in the game was just didn't really see that he was in it. I mean, he put the ball square onto Richie's head for Richie then to miss the, yeah. the goal the first time asking, but we'll not talk about that one Yeah, how much. has Richie assisted his own goals? <laughs> I don't know how that's possible. Just quickly, I would like to shout out Miley though. I think Miley had a really good game in the middle Fantastic. There. He was fantastic. Some guy was slagging him on Twitter at halftime being like, do you think Miley's had the best game? I think he's been kind of shit. And then suddenly I'd like 25 comments of, eh, are you watching the same fucking game? So much so the lad had to delete his fucking Twitter post. <laughs> oh, you got to love that. <laughs> Absolutely blind as a bat. Uh, Gray, what were your thoughts on, on Bruno? We've got one for one and against. I mean, it's kind of hard to see the entire game on the TV. But for me, he was playing some of those key passes. And there was a few which were just short of being on the money and would have played probably a quicker strike you through than what Gordon looked like on the day but mm. I thought he looked solid and yeah. again he provided that creativity which I think we've been missing but I think it's so clear that he's missing his mate in midfield <laughs> yeah 100%. we're really really missing fucking Joe Linton I'm missing him I oh, don't cry uh, but we should have <laughs> Will Aquino coming back soon that gives us a bit of something different which would be excellent what another fast midfielder <laughs> well, he is actually fast. That's the thing. <laughs> we need a fast centre midfielder. Give them a bit of fucking pace on average. But we'll see how his new hamstring is first, though. <laughs> God, don't say that. You just know it's going to go twang the first time he fucking runs somewhere. Yeah, I thought they were the strong performers for me. But again, the missing men in the match, Sean Longstaff. I don't know what he did for ninety minutes, but also Miguel Almiron. Uh, he had a few chances particularly when he's approaching the edge of the box. He took one shot that was good, nestling right in the corner until the keeper got a hand to it, which I thought was quite good. But his decision-making was dreadful on the day. And I don't even want to get Hodgie started on Miggy on the day. But <laughs> to, be then, to be then subbed off for, for super sub Matt Ritchie, I thought was a masterstroke from our man Eddie. But yeah, before we get on to our, our winning goal, yet again, as I said before, rinse and repeat, their second goal comes from our left-hand side. Pacey winger attacking Dan Byrne. Dan Byrne, knowing he can't beat him for pace, kind of stands off, stands off, lets him run at him. And Semenyo, the more I look at it, the more central the fucking shot was in the goal. I mean, to be fair, he does put it quite in the corner, but it's kind of thing like, Dubs probably could have done better, in my opinion, Gray, with, again, the benefit of replays and whatnot. And Hodge, I know you will have watched uh, replays, but... Gray, what were your thoughts on Bournemouth's second goal? We just shouldn't have let him have a shot, basically. No, Dan Burns stood off him and Dan Burns' positioning was awful and he's just 
found the gap and he's hit it with a fair bit of pace. But we had two, well, at least one clear opportunity when he first picked up the ball to foul them. And it was near the halfway line, I think, where the build-up started. And yeah, we just failed to make that tackle. Exactly the same against AC Milan. You'd see teams higher up in the league make that professional foul. Man City, Liverpool, they all do it. I think we just need to be a bit more aware of times when we can stop a counter-attack like that. And yeah, I just don't know why we were so stood so far off him and just let him shoot. I think it was just very, very poor defending mm. on that left-hand side. Yeah, indeed. And I don't think he gets much help from Botman at the minute, Hodgie, as fantastic as Botman was last season. I know he's had his injury problems this season, but he really wasn't at the races for me against Bournemouth either. That left-hand side is just proven to be such a chink in our armour. Benefit of hindsight always, but Tino definitely should have started that game, right? A hundred percent. Like what Gray says, I don't know what you need to do to get into the team. It's a plan that teams have come with on multiple occasions. Even when we go away from home, teams are still going to try and pound it down their right-hand side or left-hand side at Dan Byrne on the break, and he's just got not but the speed. And to go back to the goal that they scored with Semenya, I don't really know what he could have done there because if he steps up, Semenya is round him. If he runs at him, Semenya is round him. So he tries to back off just to try and get some support, but doesn't get the angle right against the goal, I think is his main mm. criticism. But what we have there on that kind of left side is not a great deal of speed. And Tino would have stopped that counter. He would have been able to get in better positions going forward as well. So yeah. I think for me... 100% it needs to be Tino. Maybe, well, I don't know. It depends what tactic he's going to go in with against Arsenal. We'll get to that later on. But I think if you're playing against a team such as Bournemouth, such as Luton, such as Forest, as we move forward, teams down that end of the table, it needs to be Tino because the speed mm-hmm. does make a massive amount of difference. And his talent, of course, as well. He's good at dribbling the ball. He showed that late in the game when he came on. But from the off, it needs to be Tino over Dan Byrne for me. He had a really strong 10-minute cameo as well. He looks really dangerous on that left-hand side. He was putting balls in the box. He was getting on the ball. He was running powerfully. That's what he can do in 10 minutes. Give him the fucking full 90, man, honestly. Just before we move on to the goal that brought us level, you're saying you don't know what Tino's got to do to get in the, the team, but what about our man Lewis Hall? Chelsea Loney with obligation. Is it obligation or... We don't have to buy him, I don't think, but it, it's but an obligation we, providing he plays a number of games. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So what are our thoughts on Lewis Hall? Do we think that he's going to be going straight back to Chelsea? Is he not Howe's type of player? Why is he not getting any game time? You know, you don't buy someone for 28 million quid when you've got a threadbare squad like we do and keep a left back on the fucking bench all that game, Gray. What were your thoughts on Lewis Hall? It's a funny one, isn't it? Because... He seemed to have some very good moments last year at Chelsea when he played. I think he played in a lot of the cup matches, but he just doesn't seem to have found his feet. And when he has played in the Champions League, when we were threadbare, he did look out his depth a little bit, but then he is very young. So maybe he does just need some game time. I know Howe has got these really strict requirements, hasn't he, for his team and the levels of fitness, which is why Gordon didn't come into the team straight away. Bruno didn't come into the team straight away. But like you say, we've got a defender who is having probably the worst run of form we've probably seen in our team for a long time. And then we've got another defender who's probably in the form of his life, though he's only 21, 22, sat on the bench. I just don't understand what's going on. But for me, I'd like to see him get more minutes. I think he's got a lot of potential. And whether those minutes are 
at left back or in midfield. We need to be giving people like Bruno and Miley a rest at the minute because they are running on fumes. But yeah, I, I want to see him get involved more and actually see what he's got. Yeah, I think it's quite a strong signal of intent from Howe as well to bring on Joe White ahead of Lewis Hall as well, given that it's White's Premier League debut and Lewis Hall has those minutes under his belt. Admittedly, they are slightly different positions. Obviously, Joe White is a left-footed centre mid and you got Lewis Hall um, who's left back but has played centre mid before. I don't know. The feeling isn't good that Lewis Hall will still be with us come next season. But anyway, Hodge, do you want to round us off quickly with our super sub as well? Matt Ritchie, I was listening to his post-match interview, just said, you know, they're the moments you absolutely dream of. He looked and seemed genuinely ecstatic and chuffed, but still very level-headed and said, you know, we're not hitting the, the heights and the expectations or the level of expectation that we've set for ourselves. It was so nice to see him score though, wasn't it? Yeah, for sure. And I think his first goal for like three years or something like that, which is mad to think. I think the goal that stands out for me is a goal against Man U at home for a 1-0 draw. Yeah. A good few years ago. That was a great moment. I love that. Did but you just say a 1-0 one, a one draw, did you say? I'm sorry, a 1-0 one, one win. Sorry, I'm getting <laughs> ahead of yourself. Come on, I said like, I'm 34. I'm not 25 now, but I still feel full of love for the game, which is fantastic here because I think even though he doesn't play very much, I think he's a glue that holds the team together in certain aspects. He's definitely part of the leadership team. He must be because... If he wasn't, I think he would have been sent out on loan somewhere or maybe his termination of contract. So, like, I think I mentioned to you guys in the chat, if he does call it quits to his career at the end of this season and does, does not play anymore for us, I'd love for us to offer him a contract as coaching staff or backroom or, or anything just because I think he, he still has a lot to play in, in our team, even though he might not even be playing. But if he wants to go and continue play football, then obviously that's his priority. He can do that, but his professionalism and his love for the game is not going to waver, I don't think. So we could see him come back. Indeed. It was just a really nice moment. And of course, uh, as soon as Matt Ritchie scores a goal, corner flags up and down the country, absolutely <laughs> shit themselves. <laughs> it looked like the boys were just having none of the celebration. It seemed like he celebrated by himself, Ritchie, but the rest of the boys were taking the ball back to the centre spot to, uh, to kick things off again to try and bag the win. Alas, it wasn't there. It wasn't there to be had and we ended 2-2 against Bournemouth. Really not picking up the valuable points we need against those lower place teams. You know, being absolutely battered by Nottingham Forest at home, getting one point from two games against Luton, you know, draw against Bournemouth at home. This should be a, your bread and butter, giving you a bit of kind of leeway and breathing space for those bigger games, such as the ones coming up. But it wasn't meant to be. I think we are now eighth in the Premier League, I'm pretty sure, did Brighton overtake seventh, us? Seventh, we are seventh. No, I think I thought we were overtaken. Yeah, we're eighth at the minute. Yeah, we're overtaken. Oh, it says yeah. on BBC right now we're seventh. Does it? Mm. I'm looking at it right now and it says we're eighth. <laughs> Mine literally says that. I'm going to look at Google. Have you refreshed your page, Hodge? I'll do it like. Yeah, we're eighth. Oh, nope. Still says seventh on mine. <laughs> I need to send in an inquiry. Anyway, yeah, sitting eighth in the league. Uh, great. Before we go to a break, did you have a quick a quick point? Yes, we may have dropped down to eighth, but Tottenham did drop points again. So this is true. It keeps us within touching distance, although ten points away of fifth. So I mean, there is still opportunity there if we're being optimistic. <laughs> All right, positive Peter. Uh, on that positive note, we shall go to a quick break now and then we'll come back and talk about first Dan Ashworth and then the upcoming game against Arsenal. So see you in a second. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okie dokie, we're back and we are going to be talking about Dan Ashworth. Who knew a sporting director or a director of football, whatever the fuck you want to call him, will be getting so much airtime at the minute. But of course, because it's Manchester United linked, all the national newspapers and Sky Sports will not stop talking about it. So, I think Dan Ashworth joined us in May 2022 or June 2022, so he's been with us for about 18 months now. Overseen a couple of transfers, or kind of major transfers, such as your Isaacs, your Brunos, and Botmans, I think, came in pre-Ashworth, so before he joined. So he can't take credit for that, despite Sky Sports saying that he was responsible for the Bruno Guimarães signing. <laughs> Idiots. Interesting reporting. Uh, yeah, they're so bad, man. They're so lazy on there. They just they have no idea. But anyway, that's another point. But yes, it seems like he's on his way. He's now been placed on gardening leave, as confirmed by Chief Exec Darren Eels. And there's lots of rumours flying around at the minute that his gardening leave could be as long as 2026. So two years of gardening leave, which would be absolutely bananas. That is if Man United don't stump up the cash to pay him out of that and get him early. What are your thoughts on the whole Dan Ashworth saga, are you disappointed to see him go? Is it like Tarasi later? Where's your head at? Very disappointed because I think his kind of MO early doors was, I'm here for the long run. I'm here to build something. I'm here to build a new empire. And for it to go quite south quite quickly um, is really disappointing, especially to go to a club such as Man United who are in a bit of turmoil at the minute. It's going to be interesting to see how he, how he moves that. But I think the scariest thing is that if Man U stump up the money to get him early, he's got all the names, he's got all the numbers, he's going to be able to bring in players rather quickly to Manchester United that he would probably have put forward to Mandy and, and the lads. I don't know if they'd try and dip into our team, maybe take Botman to replace Varane and Maguire. And it's going to be a hard pill to swallow, I think, if they do stump up because it's going to be an open window into what we had planned, I think. Yeah. It's obviously the same thing that Brighton would have probably seen as well when they when he came to us, like having targeted players that we could have had no longer and they could potentially go on and have a bit of success. And I think he's good at what he does, so it is going to be a big miss when he does go. Yeah, well, I think you've raised two points in that. Obviously, there's the threat of all our transfer plans taking Newcastle players, but if that was the case, then why haven't we nicked players off Brighton's toes or, or nicked players off Brighton's roster, which I imagine might be what you're about to talk about now, Gray. It sounds like Eddie Howe has got a lot more control over the transfers than what we may have first thought, which might have been where some of the unrest from Ashworth came from. But 
when you mentioned, say, Brighton, they actually haven't slowed down in any way. Their transfers have probably been just as good post-Ashworth. So actually there probably is a question there of how much was he involved in some of the transfers and some of the business dealings at the club. And he's in the role of sporting director. So I think his responsibilities may be a lot broader than just transfers. And I think it sounds about right that if Eddie Howe does have his own group of scouts, he'll bring in the players that he wants to work with that meet his needs because hearing him speak in quite a lot of detail around things he does have these very strict requirements which I mentioned earlier so he must have a team clued up on what he needs and what he's looking for so for me I'm not too worried about the transfer saga I think it's more actually what else does he do to run a successful football club like he did at Brighton yes it's it's slightly annoying you should be having someone who's going to build a bit of a legacy and a project there but you know the bloke hasn't been anywhere for very long, really. I think he may have well put some building blocks in place, which is good. I think our scouting department will certainly be a lot better now than it was before he came in. I know they've been really, really pushing hard on the recruitment in the scouting department. But ultimately, we've still got Steve Nixon, who's head scout, I guess is probably the old fashioned name for the role. I just hope, as Hodge says, we are protected against Man United coming in and nicking staff from us, nicking players. There's all this talk of Dan Ashworth apparently having this absolute database of, sounds like a souped up fucking football manager, to be fair, <laughs> uh, just this database of players all over the world. But which director of football or scouting department won't have that? Like, it's only because it's Man United that we're building this up so much, but. The talk is, I'm just reading a tweet by David Ornstein from The Athletic as well, who is generally quite reliable. So he's been placed on gardening leave, follows request to leave as sporting director and join Man United. Newcastle want 20 million quid from him. Sorry. Yes, please. 20 million quid. Yeah, I was going to say, that's fucking nearly as much as we paid for Miggy. Full pay, Man United ready to wait as don't intend to pay what they deem unrealistic sum. Do you remember when they fucking quoted us 14 and a half million for a Jesse Lingard four-month loan? They can go and fuck themselves, you know? <laughs> also paying 78 million for Anthony, who's who's got less goals than uh, Matt Ritchie has this season. Yeah, it's a fucking joke, man, honestly. I think with Jim Ratcliffe coming in and that guy Dave Brailsford, I think it's a new era for Man United where they'll probably be a bit more responsible. But either way, I think it'll be a mixture of some compensation probably and a slightly shortened gardening leave, but he certainly probably won't be joining Man United before summer. And then who knows, by then our transfer targets may have changed drastically. So there you go. I fully trust in the scouting department. I just hope that we can get a big sum and we can get him replaced as soon as possible. And I'm not even going to start talking about potential replacements because I don't have a fucking clue of any other sporting directors or directors of football. 10 million in Garnacho and you can go. <laughs> that's probably not a bad deal actually the first ever transfer to include a member of staff <laughs> yeah. as opposed to a player <laughs> writing the history books here boy. yeah we'll do a swap deal yeah I guess thanks for what you've done Dan and good luck to you but as Eddie said you know this should be a long term position someone should be there committed for the long term and you know Newcastle United's a massive club director of football or sporting director isn't going to be bigger than our club so ta for now so let's now look ahead towards the Arsenal game. The Premier League absolutely screwing over Newcastle fans once more with an eight o'clock kickoff on a Saturday in London. So fuck you very much at our favourite ground to play, the fucking Emirates. I can't remember the last time we got anything less than an 
or loss there. I don't remember any results where I've got even a draw. I'm sure Sky Sports will remind us on the day. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Over and over again. I swear the anti-Newcastle bias on Sky Sports is ridiculous. They always have like someone commentating who's played for Sunderland or they'll be talking about the other team and fucking hate us. But it's also all the adverts where all the adverts are every other team scoring against Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can hate that. They don't appreciate how much it bothers us, that shit. But anyway. So yes, off to Arsenal, high-flying Arsenal, who just seem to be scoring goals for fun at the minute. We are conceding goals for fun at the minute, or not so much fun. Gray, your thoughts ahead of Arsenal and your score prediction? Can I give two score predictions, please, on different scenarios? Depends what, seeing as you said, please, yes. (laughs) Thank you very much. So if Dan Burns starts, I'm going to go with a 6-0 loss. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, I'm being genuine there <laughs> and if Tino starts I'm going to go for a 2-0 loss fair enough I mean I, I think Dan Burns probably already having nightmares of Bukayo Saka especially the form yep. he's in at the minute so either a 6-0 or a 2-0 excellent both losses for anyone who's just joining us 40 minutes into this podcast or whatever Hodge are you slightly more optimistic or are you about the same level but there's two reasons I'm dreading this <laughs> One of the reasons is that they beat Palace 5 0, they beat West Ham 6 0, and they beat Burnley 5 0. So, yeah, not looking forward to having that onslaught. And mm. the second reason is I'm on this stag day at the weekend. We're going to watch it at nine o'clock in the evening time. And I'm with four Arsenal fans. So it's going to be absolutely oh, be fantastic. Oh, fuck me. Saying that, I think we're going to get absolutely ruined. I don't think we're going to stand a chance in this one, especially without a striker still. Mm. So I'm going to go for 4 0 to Arsenal. Where are you going on your stag do again? Remind me. Go to Prague. Cheap beers and lots of fun. We'll have a nice time in Prague. Cheers. I'll round it off. I'll just straight up 4-1 loss. I think we'll probably get a consolation goal late in the game. Matt Ritchie Full again. of optimism ahead of, yeah, yeah, 90, 98th minute consolation goal <laughs> this time, I think. But yeah, I think that just about rounds us up. Just a quick one before I go. Someone has something to fucking yes. say. One yeah, last on, point. <laughs> I thought it was quite funny when uh, someone from the press spoke to Eddie Howe and went, uh, Eddie, are you going to dip into the uh, free agent market for this? And he went, have you got anyone you want to recommend? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was quite good. Dwight Gale's available. Oh, God. No, he's just, he's just signed for Derby. Has he? Yeah, literally just signed for Derby. What are you, what's this, the fucking Dwight Gale fan club? How do you know that? <laughs> because it just came up on BBC. There you go. Okay. Man in the know. You may have won this time, Gray. Fabrizio Gray. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Here we can. All right, that wraps us up for this week. Hodge, good to have you back. Have fun in your stag, do Gray. Cheers. Have fun, whatever you're doing the rest of the week. Uh, and we will see you in the next one. Bye bye now. Bye. Cheers. Oh, me lads, you should have seen us the I don't know what buy is in Progish. <laughs> Check, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> 